Govan and Anne Suilade to all my uh, friends. I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And good morning. If you are tuning in for the first time to KUCI, what would Arwen do? You may be wondering, what in the world is this show all about? Well, this is the show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth Elf lived today in Orange County, California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? Which is a very good question. I like to ask, what would Arwen do? And in case you're wondering who Arwen was, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves, and the lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also, in my opinion, a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or in elvish Arda. I believe Arda Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, that with great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and her service to others. In Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. So I believe this, quote, elven quality exists in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. So my hope and passion in tuning in is that you will be inspired to find your creative gift and bring it into the world to enrich not only your life, but the lives of those around you. And I'm very excited because uh, What Would Arwen Do has been on for a little over four years now, and I now have a Hobbit co-host who I'm very excited has uh, joined the show, Milo Lomesdown. Good morning, Milo. Good morning, Good morning, Tani. Are we excited today or what? We are very excited. We can hardly stay in our seat. We are so excited about our guest today. I'll let you uh, have the honors of saying who that is going to be in just a few moments. Yes, to our elves and hobbits, our wizards and dwarf folk that are listening, we're delighted to have uh, Monsieur André Vian from the Théâtre Saint-Fil of Montreal, the great puppet company that has done so many wonderful productions from Ravel to Hansel and Gretel and of course the Lord of the Rings but first came in our in our awareness first came The Hobbit from 1979 which they will be performing tomorrow at the Irvine Barclay Theater at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. And we, as elves and hobbits who love to give gifts, will have three pairs of tickets to the performances to give out uh, on the air this morning. And we'll wait to make that announcement because we uh, the ticket 
tickets will be available for if you call in during the time that we break to music. But I will give the call-in number in case you want to have that handy. Perhaps even program it into your cell phone. The number is 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI, 824-5824. And Milo, uh, just to preface our program a little bit this morning, I wanted to read just a little bit from, um, well, it's in the Silmarillion, but this is actually from a letter that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote in 1951 to... Um, Milton Waldman, and it's a, a letter that's often referred to as uh, kind of a backstory of, and explains uh, where many of these came about in Tolkien's um, imagination. But one of the things I loved about this is there are so many uh, the world the the worlds that J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and many others, but J.R.R. Tolkien created uh, gives lends itself to so many wonderful. Um, um, extended expressions of that to um, things like the the puppet production of The Hobbit. There was the musical parody, The Fellowship, uh, musical parody of the Lord of the Rings. Of course, the movies and um, many forms of art. We see the beautiful work of Ted Naismith in illustrating the Silmarillion, many calendars, um, uh, Alan Lee. And uh, I think a lot of times people tend to argue that J.R. Tolkien might not have liked these movies or some of these other things. I actually think that J.R.R. Tolkien would have loved that his work was finding expression through so many other uh, people. And um, I think a good case for that can be made from a little one little sentence in this letter, but I'm going to read a very small part where he talks about his uh, passion in the creation of Middle-earth. Again, this is from a letter by J.R.R. Tolkien. He says, um, an equally basic passion of mine, ab initio, was for myth, not allegory, and for fairy story, and above all for heroic legend on the brink of fairy tale and history, of which there is far too little in the world accessible to me for my appetite. He goes on to say, do not laugh, but once upon a time my crest has long since fallen, I had a mind to make a body of more or less connected legend ranging from the large and cosmogonic to the level of romantic fairy story, the larger founded on the lesser in contact with the earth, the lesser drawing splendor from the vast backcloths, which I could dedicate simply to, to England, to my country. It should possess the tone and quality that I desired, somewhat cool and clear, be redolent of our air, the clime and soil of the Northwest, beating Britain and their hither parts of Europe, not Italy or the Aegean, still less the East, and, po- and, po- and while possessing, if I could achieve it, the fair elusive beauty that some call Celtic, though it is rarely found in genuine ancient Celtic things, it should be high, purged of the dross, of the gross, and fit for the more adult mind of a land now steeped in poetry. I would draw some of the great tales in fullness and leave many only placed in the scheme and sketched, the cycles should be linked to a majestic whole and yet leave scope for other minds and hands, wielding paint and music and drama. Absurd. I love that. He says, leaving, leave scope for other minds and hands, wielding paint and music and drama, which hmm. is what I'm so excited about 
tomorrow to see this production of Teatro Sanfis, and, Hobbit. And this morning we have one of the supreme minds and sets of hands in the area of myth-making with Andre. Yay. Well, um, Andre, why don't you say hello yes, to let's, our let's, radio let's, fans? Let's, yes, let's hello everybody. Andre. I'm so pleased to be here in this uh, beautiful country with full of elves. And <laughs> <laughs> this is, I f- it fits perfectly for us. <laughs> and you are here, did you, did, uh, did you not just come from another production of The Hobbit? Uh, yes, but we just arrived from Mexico where yes. we presented in a, s- a festival called Cervantino. We presented uh, Ravel, which is a bolero, oh, the famous bolero, and yes. the child and the enchantment. We just, we arrived in Montreal from Mexico, th- sp- spending three, four days and coming here in, in uh, California to start the Hobbit tour in California. And... Uh, so tomorrow, and, uh, I want to mention that tomorrow, Saturday, October 24th, mm-hmm. The Hobbit will be at the Irvine Barclay Theater. That's 4242 Campus Drive. Tickets are still available. There is a 2 p.m. performance and a 7 p.m. performance. Uh, it's recommended for ages 6 and up. <laughs> and the phone number for there is 949-854-4646, 854 4646. The website is www.thebarclay.org. And you can just look for The Hobbit. So, uh, Andre, where do, where do we begin? Where do I know? <laughs> there is so, let, let me, there's let, so much. I'll let, let me, Milo begin. Let me begin. Um, Andre, you've done so many wonderful productions of so many great classics, Ravel. Hansel and Gretel, uh, even The Lord of the Rings. But in 1979, you started with The Hobbit. Uh, Why did you choose Mm -hmm. The Hobbit as one of your very earliest projects? There are so many stories, so many fairy tales in French, as you know, as well as in German and English. Why this one? Honestly, because I fall in love with that book. When I <laughs> read it, I, I believe the first time I read it, it was in 1973. And, you know, in that time it was so famous about, uh, uh, through the, the students, I was still student, oh no, it was finished, but anyway, I was, uh, just 23 or something like that. And, um, when I read that, it was kind of a discovery. Tolkien, because I love Tolkien, the style, and what he says, what's the purpose, what's, what's the plot. And, uh, you know, when we produce it, it was for adults, because I believe, still believe that The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, it's adult stuff. Even it can be presented for kids, but first it's for adults. And in, in that book, we can feel this, the British spirit the feeling of of these people living in in this island and uh, and also because we are a giant puppet company so when i read that i said my god of course bilbo is a half-sized man is so is a small character but all around him it's full of huge characters, so it fits perfectly for what we want to do. And also because Théâtre Saint-Fils, since his beginning, is that, that company, our company, is attracted by fantastic novels, stories, because we are a giant puppet company, and, and I don't want to produce realistic or drama, realistic drama. Um, 
And uh, so when I read that, the story, the, the subject, the plot, and it was so close of what we wanted to do, but it was a bit risque because <laughs> it has to, there's a lot of characters for, on that time, Théâtre Saint-Fil was still a small company. And so what we did, we decided, I, it took years to decide myself to do that because it was risque. And I, and we put, when we decided to do that, we put everything, what we got and more than that. It was very, we said, okay, we go for it. And if it, it doesn't, if it doesn't work, too bad we will close the company it was because we spent a lot of money in that for us on that time and we started the habit then since that time so 30 years later we're still presenting the habit because it's a very it's a classical it's a beautiful classical story full of deepness because tolkien writes the stories with full of of deep subject and this is why I'm so pleased by The Hobbit and, and Lord of the Rings. I, um, I'm so excited. I've been on the website and looked a little bit at it, but I, um, I kind of went through this even with the movies. I didn't watch um, any spoilers. I wanted to just go and experience it fresh. <laughs> so in many ways, although I've seen a couple of pictures uh, from the production, I, I'm so excited tomorrow to just go and experience it um, in all of its life-size <laughs> glory, um, freshly. So, but I'm I'm so intrigued by the uh, the idea of this this be- this love of you know mind the Hobbit being done by by giant puppets. Mm-hmm. And can you explain a little bit about um, for people that uh, are just tuning in that are missing puppets? What is what is this all about? <laughs> what um, mm-hmm. could you tell tell a little bit about the the, this venue of the, coming from the Japanese Bunraku. Um, mm, Bunraku. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, when we founded the company, we, we were still in university, like here in this university, and we were part of the Université du Québec in Montreal, which is a state university. And I was involved in drama and something called animation culturelle, cultural animation, but not animation as design, but animation as working for people, you know. And um, so the last year, after two years, our course, our, it was lasting three years. And after two years, we thought, us, the students, that we didn't touch about, we didn't touch about puppet stuff. So we asked to our directors, could we get for the last year of our course, could we get some puppets workshop to discover a little bit what is puppet and what is puppetry? And they accepted. And finally, we, we got a professional puppeteer who came to our university. And we were a little group, you know, we were seven or eight people, not more than that. And with him, we discover the Bunraku, different, different techniques like hand puppets and, and, and stick puppets, but we discover the Bunraku. Just watching a movie, seeing a movie of the Bunraku, and I have to explain what is Bunraku. The Bunraku is a, it's a Japanese technique used in Japan for more than 350 years. In fact, in Japan, it's the oldest drama art before the no, before kabuki. Mm. And in fact, the kabuki, you know when we see kabuki performers, they move like a, on a certain way, not as, as actor, it's not moving normal, because what they do in the kabuki, they are trying to imitate the, the bunraku, 
so the Bunraku, it's puppet, and Kabuki, it's actors, but they are trying to move like the Bunraku style. Mm-hmm. And to explain to people, what is Bunraku? Bunraku, it's small puppets around three feet high, manipulated by three puppeteers normally, and with, which are dressed in black, with black hood, except the master who has the head w- without the hood. And there's no puppet house. So, and Bunraku basically is for adults, mm-hmm. more than for kids, but it can be for kids al- also. But, and it's there, and, and what they are, what they have, what they keep in our, in their repertoire, it's, um, story like a middle age of Japan, story of, of Japan, classical story. And when we saw that, for us, it was kind of a real artistic shock. We saw that we were using you know, hand puppets and TV puppets, and we saw that without any puppet house, we could see the puppeteers, and it was for adults. So it gave us an idea. Why not producing a, a puppet show like that for for university? Because we had to produce every year a show. And so, okay, the, the, the administrator of the university accepted that, the director, so okay. And we decided to, to do something like the Bunraku. But because this, these puppets were quite small, like three feet tall, so for us we said, well, it's too small because where we have to perform, it's bigger, a huge theater, so we have to change a little bit the size. So we decided to change the size. Changing the size was changing the technique. We discovered that, but for us, you know, it was just a lab, just an experience. We didn't know what we were doing, honestly. <laughs> but That is how beautiful new things are born. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Finally, we produce puppets from five to seven feet tall and we produce a chorus and and we were dressed in black like the Bunraku but instead of having classical music or stuff like that, we engaged two uh, guitar, guitar p- uh, player and it was very modern and we were giving the text the puppeteer we were giving scan uh, can we say in french with scandi uh, not uh, text more like the greek style than japanese style and it was a special mix honestly when we presented the show when we started the first minute just before we thought well it will be totally awful we will receive eggs and boo and we were s- because we didn't know what how it could be accepted, that kind of giant puppet show, because it was a giant puppet show. No, no, the reaction, it was just great. We were surprised by the reaction that we got from audience and from the reviews that we got the day after. And people, they were coming to see the giant puppet show, which and, and the reviews, it was indicated like kind of a new Greek theater, discovery Greek, and there's a, there were a lot of beautiful things, honestly, that we didn't know that we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> and because, as I mentioned, and just after that present, these presentations, we got invitation to present our show out of university in other colleges and, and drama festival, and we did, and because we were the first student to leave this first, this new university and so it was something the first year of having new students having something new so it was a good something good for the university yeah wow and because we were in our last grade 
finishing, looking for job, job in drama. But in the same time, our formation was not a classical actor's formation. So we were looking for some, to find something else. You know, remember, we were in 1970, 71. And so the, the drama at that time was a bit classical. So we were more tempted by something, you know, the new discovery. And, and so we thought, well, we did the first puppet, giant puppet show for adults. Why not trying to, to build another one, to conceive another one, seeing, well, can we survive with giant puppet show for adults? And it's how the Théâtre Saint-Fil started. And why Théâtre Saint-Fil? So, because Théâtre Saint-Fil means theater without strings. And because we were producing giant puppet show without strings, of course. And it's how Théâtre Saint-Fil born. And since that time, we are actually, this season, it's our 40th season. So, next year, it will be 40 years. Still there, still producing puppet show, giant puppet show for adults and also for kids. It's not just for adults. Sometimes, like our new, brand new show, it's a Clive Barker story. <laughs> it's Weave World. And Weave World, it's just for adults, 14 and up, not before. Because, as you know, Clive Barker, it's quite heavy sometimes and it's a fantastic novel fantastic story which is fits perfectly for my desire and for the de desire of Théâtre Saint-Fil Wow that is incredible in case you are just tuning in our guest this morning André Vien of Théâtre Saint-Fil and we are talking about wonderful things and The Hobbit coming to the Barclay Theatre Tomorrow, you mentioned, uh, Andre, uh, 40th year. It's very yeah. interesting because KUCI is also celebrating, we are celebrating our 40th year. Oh, here. really? Yes, wow. Yes, this Goodness. is very special this, year this, year, this year is our 40th year, and next year will be your 40th year. You started in 1971, so your 40th year will be 2010. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm interested, Milo, like all hobbits, is interested in language, <laughs> uh, in Shanghai in July... Again, for our radio listeners, the Théâtre Saint-Fil is a worldwide phenomenon. They have, they have entertained, you know, hundreds and thousands of times around the world. In Shanghai in July, you were at that great art festival. Uh, you presented The Hobbit there in Shanghai, China. Language was extremely important to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And I wonder... There, you presented the play, apparently, according to the reports, you presented the play in English with Chinese subtitles. Yeah. And I'm curious, as you're from the great province uh, de Quebec, um, why did you choose to do it in English with Chinese subtitles instead of French with uh, <laughs> uh, Chinese subtitles? Isn't there a French version of The Hobbit? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we have a French version. When we created the show first, it was in French. Oh. Uh, but honestly, the English language fits a lot better to to Tolkien stuff. Um, the French is fine, but you know, having the choice of presenting the show throughout the world, we, you know, like in China, we we presented the show in English because it's closer of the real version, uh, Tolkien's version, and and as you know, English is. Uh, the language, the un universal language that everybody in the world can speak English, even in China. So, it, but it's not the same case for French. 
Uh, and look, for example, what I mentioned before, when we when presented Ravel in in uh, in Mexico, we could present it in English also, but we decided to pre- present it in French because Ravel it's basically French first, and so it, the French language fits better. So and the Harbert, we have French and English version, but we prefer to present it in English. Also, I have to mention, a few years ago, in 1984, we presented the Hobbit in Hong Kong, and we did a Chinese translation. But to do that, we took, I remember, I t- we took two weeks full, two weeks full to translate the show in Chinese. And But it, that Chinese language is not the same Chinese language used in, in China now or in, in uh, Shanghai. Actually, the, what they call Mandarin or Potuwa, uh, which is the the, cloud, the 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 language used in, in China and in Hong Kong it's the Cantonese so we could not use our Cantonese version because uh, for the Chinese people living in 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 China it's like uh, uh, we say in French like Chinese you know it's they don't understand the Cantonese thing it's like a French similar French to um, Portuguese you know it's not the same thing and or. English and German, which uh, is close, but even if we present the show in German, you will not understand. So the, the Cantonese version, it's exactly like that. But we have some project to translate the Hobbit in uh, Putua or in Mandarin to uh, be able to make a huge, important tour in China, in other cities. Uh, some uh, There's a millions of people living in China, so it could be great to be able to present Hobbit in Chinese. Yes. You uh, brought along a little bit of the music that uh, Tish for us to share this morning. Um, this is from the. Is this from the um, from the show that we'll be seeing tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to start apparently with a little bit of an excerpt from number seven, track number okay. seven. We are going to hear a little bit of Gollum. Oh. And of course, Gollum is uh, was wonderfully realized. I must say, in the movies oh, by yeah. Andy Serkis. Absolutely. But I'm looking forward tomorrow to see what your t- interpretation, mm-hmm. which far predates Peter Jackson's, yes. is. Oh, yeah. um, so first of all, track seven, uh, Gollum, a little bit of that, and then we're going to listen to track nine, which is Bilbo's song. Oh, wonderful! So. Um, as we mentioned before, we have three pairs of tickets to give out to the performance. This will be tomorrow, Saturday, October 24th at the Irvine Barclay Theater right here uh, on the campus of UC Irvine. And those performances are at 2 or 7. You can have your choice of which performance you would like to go, the pair of tickets. So please give us a call here at KUCI. Our phone number is 949-824-5824, 949-824-5824. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, What Would Arwen Do? And this is music from Teatro Sanfis, The Hobbit. During all this terrible commotion, Bilbo had been hurled deep inside the mountain where he fainted and remembered nothing more. When he finally came to, Bruised and stiff as he was, Bilbo started to crawl ahead in the pitch darkness around him. (laughs) 
Suddenly, his hand met what felt like a tiny ring of cold metal lying on the floor of the tunnel. Little did he realize that this was to be a turning point in his career as a burglar. He put the ring in his pocket, almost without thinking, for the tiny object seemed totally useless at the time. And I would like to get out of here. What does it have in its hands is um, a sword. A blade that comes from Gondolin. Maybe it would like to chat with us for a while, precious um. Maybe it likes riddles, yes? Yes. Maybe? Very well. Let's get on with it. What has roots that no one sees? And it stands much taller than the trees. Higher and higher and higher it goes. And yet, it's true. It never grows. So that... Oh, Andre. That is so fabulous. Just the sound without even seeing the fabulous visuals. That That is, you know, great theater when you're actually... Immediately, I was in that dark cave under the mountain. I was there with Bilbo and Gollum and, and uh, the sibilant nature of Gollum's, uh, Gollum's speech. Uh, wow. And it's, it's just amazing to me because I, I do believe that uh, Tolkien created a world that is so large and so... Um, lends itself so well to to so many different expressions of it. There's the Gollum of Lord of the Rings movies. There's the Gollum that you read, uh, the professor himself. And there's a little thing here where he reads and he, you know, he has that raspy Gollum voice and he makes a very good Gollum himself. Yeah. And uh, and I was captured by this Gollum. This Gollum, too. Gollum is such a, a central figure to uh, The Hobbit. And so, uh, what is this next track? We're going to get another little taste of, uh, oh, this is Bilbo's song. Oh, I'm... Again, from Teatro San Fields' fabulous production of The Hobbit, we're going to listen to uh, Chanson de Bilbo, or Bilbo's song. Now you see him, now you don't see him, now you don't. He is short and he is plump, he is short and plump. Don't try to catch him, he'll escape. Pretty little chameleon, yes, yes, yes. It's Bilbo the Hobbit, and the 
It will go back in the truth, if you please. He will live longer than your children and mine. He will live longer than the dwarf children and mine. I'll try to catch him, he'll escape. He'll be up in a flash, yes, yes, yes. It's Gandalf the wizard, the wise old man. Gandalf who knows all, but he won't tell. <laughs> Everyone slept well that night after the feast to celebrate Bilbo's return. So, Andre, that was Bilbo's song. And could you tell us a little bit about what, what, how do you bring The Hobbit to the stage? Um, mm-hmm. There's music, there's... Sets, the pu- costumes, lighting, yeah. choreography, maybe. Oh, special effects, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> it's full of that. Uh, you know, when we are producing a show, we, of course, we start first with an, uh, the writing or the adaptation. In that case here, with The Hobbit, what we, we work on the adaptation to know what we will key, how we will write these texts, and so and so. So we spend months and months and months on the adaptation first. After that, uh, you know, we have a team. Our team can be different one to one show to another production, you know. And in, in this case, uh, I did the adaptation with uh, two other people. And uh, one, uh, Marielle Bernard, was in charge of, of the dialogues. And after that, with another girl called Fanny, she designed the puppets. And we, in our uh, atelier workshop, we, we produced the puppets. I, I, rem- I, I would say around one year to produce the, the puppets. Wow. Puppets and effects and objects and, and there's a lot of props and things like that. And the first time when we rehearsed the show, we spent around four months, full form, four months, you know, spending like 50 hours by week. And because it, it's, it, you know, all the time with our productions, we are, we have to spend a lot of time in, in the rehearsal because it's not easy to do these huge puppets. So to make it full, you know, to look, it has to be, oh, it looks easy. You know, like dancer. All the time, I, I want to produce something that when we see a dancer doing some entrechat, flying in the air, it looks so easy. <laughs> That's what I want to pr- produce. When people, after the show, when people come to see the puppets closer and, and, tr- and, and use them, oh, they say, oh, how heavy. Yes, it doesn't look like. That's exactly what we want to do. And so after that time, so we spent one year and a half to, pr- to present, to produce The Hobbit. So we started to present the show, and we, I believe at this time we presented more than 1,400 times The Hobbit. Mm. And, uh, and it's so neat to be able to bring back The Hobbit this year. And, you know, we were thinking for this season, presenting maybe around 25 Hobbits, you know, because we are bringing back The Hobbit. In fact, we will present just in the United States around 67 time oh, the hobbits that's wonderful so we will see s- the, um, seven different uh, cities 
And uh, we are so pleased because, as you know, of course, the, the economical situation that we have in the United States, it's, it's very tough. Very, so that's why we were not hoping to present more than 25 performances. Look what happened. And I'm very pleased because maybe because it's The Hobbit. It's a classical story known by a lot of people. And for the directors of the theater, it's, I suppose, a good choice choosing, picking up The Hobbit, bringing back The Hobbit, because sometimes we will go in theaters where we presented maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago The Hobbit, and so bringing back The Hobbit again. And I'm sure some people will bring their kids, and maybe they saw the show when they were kids, and now they will bring their own kids to see the same show, of course. Not exactly the same, because... Years after years, we work on the show and to fix it and to rearrange everything. But basically, it's the same story, the same show. I should mention, uh, uh, Tani, uh, as a practical guy, I, I, as a practical hobbit, I have to say, <laughs> I approach station management. And, of course, we're a, we're a public radio station. We are a non-commercial, so we can never mention dollars or francs or euros. We are totally forbidden from mentioning prices. But I got station management permission to say, the tickets tomorrow are very reasonable. Very, <laughs> very reasonable at the Irvine Barclay. And that's all we can say. Well, that's all we can say. We can say, though, that it is part of the 2020 series. It is part of the 2020 series at Irvine Barclay. And if you are a hobbit, then you know you love riddles. <laughs> then you know how to figure it out. But we should say no more, except that uh, it's going to be very, very a wonderful thing. And if you want more information, we will be again uh, at the end of the show, be giving the details on how to, uh, how to, if you'd like to, and you and you may want to go see this fabulous production. Uh, how you get that? We should also mention uh, Tatra Sanfil has their own website, which is yes. very nice. Mm-hmm. It has a wonderful interview with Andre, a video interview which you can watch and listen to him explain some about the company. And if I recall correctly, that's at uh, teatrasanfil.ca. Exactly. And could you spell that out for our listeners? Yes, that is spelled T H E A T R E S A N S F I L dot C A. Exactly. Wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I am curious, as I mentioned, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to come to this as a fresh experience. <laughs> but when I first heard that it was giant puppets, I was thinking, oh, well, this is just going to be life-size puff- puppets with people inside of the puppets. Mm-hmm. But it's actually not. People are not inside no, the puppets. No. How many people does it take for each puppet to, to put on, I mean, like on the stage, you said they're, they're mm-hmm. dressed back. Yeah. Isn't, it's not just one person, right? No. Normally, it depends on the size of the puppet. Uh, for example, on Bilbo, Bilbo is the smallest character of the show because, as you know, Hobbit, it's half-sized man. Right. So, so Bilbo is around uh, four feet tall or three feet and a high. He's a small character. And there's some dwarves, which are small uh-huh. also. But uh, all around him, there's like Gandalf. It's a, human, a little bit more than human size. Gandalf must be around six and a half or seven feet tall. Uh-huh. And on these characters, two puppeteers on the on on basically there's all the time two puppeteers on each characters, but sometimes more than that. Like the smog, the dragon, the dragon oh. is around twenty six feet wide, and there's wow. four puppeteers on smog, and and we are using sticks, 
black six and and the puppeteers are dressed in black with black hood so they are like the shade you know we don't see them too much we see we can see the puppeteers it's part of the technique you know what is funny all the time it's the same thing at the first on the first minute minutes of the show like the first four five minutes People in the the audience, they they will pay attention to the puppeteers because it's a technique. Oh, we can see the puppeteers, okay. And suddenly, after three, four, five minutes, people will forget about the technique, forget about the the puppeteers, and they will pay attention just to the puppets and the story. So that's why, for me, it's very important to start the show slowly because I know people will pay attention to the puppeteers. So, and after that, we can start the story strongly, you know. And uh, it's very true. Uh, I saw that other ring, uh, uh, the ring of the Nibelungen, produced at L.A. Opera by Achim Fryer, the German director, and he uses that same Bunraku technique for some of his puppets. And it's exactly right. After a couple minutes, I didn't even pay attention. Mm-hmm, exactly. This is the magical part, you know, forgetting about that and following the story, following the puppets. And, of course, the focus focuses more on the puppet than, than the puppeteers. And all the time trying to hide the puppeteers, you know, behind the puppets. So we can see them a little bit, not too much. And also, as you mentioned before, we are using special effects, using black light effects for special magical parts. And on that time, of course, the puppeteers are totally disappeared because they are dressed in black. And as you know, the, the giant puppet, the, the black light effect, it's, uh, it, it says black light, you know, so. And, uh, but you know, it's, as we hear the, the golem, you know, this golem, some characters, so, we love them so much. Golem is yes. my favorite. I love Gollum. <laughs> it's strange because he represents evil, but I love him. And I think he represents a struggle. He's, you know, he. Mm-hmm. I think that we, so yeah. many of us can identify with the struggles. You know, you see, and, and this is one of the things I loved in the Lord of the Rings movies that uh, I think Peter Jackson really captured. You know, this the the pull of the dark side, yes. and that you pull know. was really represented well originally in the novels. I think Tolkien did a tremendous job of painting Gollum. At that point in Lord of the Rings where Frodo says, why doesn't someone just kill him? And Gadalf comes and says, many that live deserve death, and many that die deserve life. Who are you to say? And you give it to them, Frodo. Absolutely. Do not be too quick to deal out death and judgment. Uh, Yes. And, you know, Tolkien mentioned very often that there's no bad and good at left or right or right or left. (laughs) <laughs> the bad and the good, it's inside of ourselves. Mm. What we have to do, we have to choose what we will be. More good, more bad. You know? And and I, I believe he was right. We have a caller. I'm going to let you two can, uh, continue right. the conversation. And yes. I'm going to pick up the phone. Yes, because we may have someone who's yes, trying to pick up those absolutely. free tickets. We have three pair of free tickets Could you give some, at uh, area code 949 8245824 and just give a little bit again the information about right. the performances this Saturday right to remind everyone Saturday October 24th at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. at the Irvine Barclay Theater at 4242 Campus Drive oh, okay. um that's www.thebarclay.org that's t h e b a r c l a y.org 
949-854-4646 to, uh, if you wish to acquire tickets, um, you will be able to see, um, as it says in the Washington Post, Teatro San Fils production is a bold and riveting theatrical experience for any age. Several qualities set Teatro San Fils apart, including the brilliant use of stereophonic sound. The set design and lighting are simple enough to inspire imagination and flexible enough to defy it. That's the Washington Post. <laughs> I am not fortunate enough, as I was telling Andre as we drove here to the station, um, due to family circumstances and work circumstances in my life, I've never seen it live. But I know people in Toronto that have seen it live, New York that have seen it live, and San Francisco that have seen it live. And they say, you go in thinking maybe it's for children, but as Andre himself said, and as my friends concur, it's really uh, an adult thing that children can enjoy. Children will like it, but it's really... Uh, uh, as Tolkien's work is an adult work. Yeah, because we all the time we can feel the philosophy, Tolkien's philosophy inside of of the text, of the of the thing, of the story itself. So that's why it, it it's funny because it's great. It pleases adults and it pleases kids also. Of course, as adults, maybe you can understand some thing that the kids will not. But it's fine. It's great. I love that kind of uh, feeling that you can attend a show. And as adults and as kids, and and be pleased by the show in the same time. Of course, the visual language is very important in our case because it's giant puppet. And as you know, puppetry, the first language for puppetry, it's the visual language. Right, right. Uh, if I may ask about uh, one thing I was interested in, uh, as we've talked about, this has been produced by your team, by your company since 1979 for 30 years, mm -hmm. 1,400 performances, more than, and worldwide. How do you keep it fresh? What, what, uh, what, what do you do to keep it fresh? Do you adjust the lighting? Do you adjust the music? Mm -hmm. uh, do you change performers? How do you keep it fresh from year to year? It's true for all these things that you mentioned. Uh, actually, it's not the same team, of course not. <laughs> it's a, a new team totally, which is it's great because it brings some new spirit and new um, uh, movement in a sense. And, and I have to tell you that after many years performing and presenting, I was a, 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 a bit t tired to rehearse again the show. It was, you know, so we did a, a long stop of 12 years. And now bringing back the Hobbit is kind of discovery. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm so pleased to do that. And I have to mention, like in Shanghai, I perform inside of the team. And this oh, what do you do on the team? What Gandalf? What you help with oh. Gandalf. <laughs> Wonderful. I love Gandalf. I love Gandalf. And uh, but not. We, you know, in, in, in the show, it's not possible to do just one character. We do a lot of characters. But I was more big on Gandalf than on The Hobbit, on Bilbo. and uh, But I was smug also. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, like in Star Wars, you know, Dark Vader, this is my favorite character. It's terrible because he represents evil. So I said, what? Who I am? I like bad things like that. No, I like the way, it, the power, not, not the power to do the power, the, 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 the power impression, you know, that kind of, of force that you have. And uh, 
so so as a, uh, so in, in in this so uh, what we do to 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 keep it fresh it's as you mentioned changing bring something in the music and in the cast and special effects and 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 rediscovery the show uh, stopping for years as i mentioned before so it's bring new breathing you know I'm very uh, excited too because uh, have you well of course we're very excited that the Hobbit is going to be made into a movie uh, directed by Peter Jackson and that will be you know just a couple years so I'm excited because not only for the to uh, the gift of what I'm sure that will be um, we have listeners but, that yes. would remind us that it's directed by Guillermo del yes, Toro produced absolutely. by Peter Jackson oh I'm sorry I, I got them mixed up. Um, <laughs> Just because we have so many worldwide listeners, we don't need it, you getting the well, emails. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's, it's normal because. Of, but um, uh, do you think that this um, has helped to generate some more interest too of for your Hobbit production? Because I know as these things begin to to kind of resurface, um, more interest because you know there's more interest in the books. There's more interest in just you know all things Middle Earth. So I'm very excited uh, that you are bringing this back at the time that you are, just a couple of years mm-hmm. before. The, the Hobbit will be coming out again as the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. It, what is interesting also, to see a, um, a movie like Peter Jackson's movies, are, it's great because actually, as you know now, we can, they can use special effects with the digital things, and it's great. But also it's great to be in front of a live show. Absolutely. And feeling the live actors or puppeteers, the live characters, and... Special effects, trying to all the time create magical things, fantastic things. You know, what w- we can compare Theatre Sensible to science fiction movie in a sense, but live science fiction. And, and it's, it's great. Of course, it will be different. Like, for example, uh, in 1985, we, pre- we created Lord of the Rings before a lot before many years before the movie and it was different of of the book and different it's still different of the yes. movie and we we took when we presented when we created lord of the ring we took some liberty for example some characters of the white city are they have some black skin which is not written in in tolkien's book you know and we we took some liberty in, in that way to to adapt the thing but the reaction as was very good and very in the review i remember the review the people were writing they kept and i believe it's the most important thing they kept tolkien's spirit yes bringing something different like our elves in lord of the rings they we can see through their heads we can see some lights inside they, mm. can, they are mm. kind of uh, <laughs> of uh, another step in humanity or you know in yes. they, they they have some machines inside of themselves and you know that kind of stuff which is not like what we, when we read tolkien's book it's not that it's kind of a c- certain liberty yes. to adapt to bring something else, but in same time, of course, and also adapting a show like Our Lord of Ring was lasting just two hours, and in two hours bringing eighteen hundred pages in two <laughs> hours, so you have to adapt. But what is was uh, what important? It, it was that spirit, yes. and uh, and you know, honestly, I hope. We will bring back the Lord of the Rings uh, on the road again. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but the Lord of the Rings, our production, it's kind of huge Broadway <laughs> production. Yeah. So it's not so easy compared to The Hobbit, which is easier to bring on the road. Yeah. Uh, 
I am. Uh, I cannot believe we are out of time. Did you look at the clock? Yes, I did. The hour is already up, and I we've know. barely even begun to I talk know. to Andre. Andre, thank you so much. Could you do you have a few just parting comments to encourage people? I always want to encourage people to find their passion. Perhaps their passion is to join a puppet theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. Uh, anyway, yeah, come to see the pu- out the puppets, and and people will be happy after the performance. You know, spending a good time. I I hope and leaving the theater with good spirit. Thank you so much for being in the world, doing what you do, enriching the world with your art through the productions of your company and the people that you work with. Thank you so much for being in the world. A presence uh, <laughs> for art and inspiration. I've and been very country. pleased. Thank and you. I Merci beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> well, that will... Uh, Milo, I'm afraid that just about wraps it up for this morning. Yes, it it's been, been absolutely great wonderful. to have Andre in person in the studio. Andre Vian, the great director of the Teatro San Field. Thank you so much for coming in person. And a special uh, thank you also to Gregory who called in and uh, won tickets for the uh, production. We may have some people winning uh, some tickets by email. So thank you, Gregory, for listening to the show. And, and thank you morning. to Karen for helping us Absolutely. coordinate Karen Andre Drews. and the tickets and everything. Karen Drews over at the Barclay. And tomorrow we actually all get to go and see it. I'm so you and I will be there next to each other at 7 p.m. Yes. It's going to be so exciting. With some of my other dear friends who are great, great, passionate um, lovers of the works of G.R. Tolkien. Andre, thank you again so much. And I guess that is going to wrap it up in uh, just a few moments. Uh, I believe um, it's Career uh, Quest. It's Love and Romance. Love and isn't Romance. It? I think it's Love okay. and Romance. It's one of those Love and Romance or Career Quest. And next week I will be back with Phenomenal Woman. Uh, and in a couple, two more weeks we'll be back with uh, What Would Armin Do? So please uh, enjoy the. The day, wherever you are, a special, I forgot to mention, a very special hello to my friends listening from Tolkien Online, thewondering.com, and to all of our friends who are listening here in Orange County and through the Internet. Thank you so much. Uh, we love and uh, appreciate who you are. Uh, that allows us to be who we are. <laughs> so this is KUCI in Irvine. And until next week, Alin Salalumin Amintielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. And... We will hear a little music from uh, Colette, who was the host of Yogi World, singing the uh, Academy Award-winning song, Into the West, from Howard Shore. And this is KCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe. And I may add that the views and opinions expressed on this show represent those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent the views of KUCI, UCI, or the UC Board of Regents. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of the universe.